Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to another How We Solve episode. I'm David Hensel, your host from How We Solve, and I have my business partner, Dave Schneider, on the call. Dave, thanks for being on. Hey, come in. This is uh, it's actually my first time on a live show, I think. I don't think I've ever been live before. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, so sort of a monumental occasion. (laughs) (laughs) The history books will write about this day. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully the first of many. Dave runs an agency called Shortlist.io. It's also part of the How We Solve umbrella. And Dave, how about you tell our audience what's up with Shortlist and what do you guys do? Yeah, Shortlist is primarily a link building agency. So we help companies generate a healthy backlink profile by getting them featured on websites, generally through guest blogging, um, so contextual links, which helps them rank better in the search engines, generate more traffic, generate more leads is the main goal. But we've also do offer other services as well in like branding, website design, dev and growth, which is always kind of complicated. Our image as a service, sort of who we are, what we do. And I think that's kind of the topic for this call, the show. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's calls about positioning and how we had an awesome positioning with shortlist and then we lost it and then we found the, found it again and kind of like the, the journey of this kind of going back to the original version of shortlist, which is the backlink building and SEO service which is super, super powerful. Like in my entire online career, I always banked on SEO. It's like kind of the gift that keeps on giving if you rank high. You have to pay constantly for ads. And once you rank up there, not um, so hard to maintain, but kind of getting up there can be hard. And I had like an, an entire team at Maxi and focusing on this. And now with Shortlist, I use it for, for all of my other businesses. So yeah, it's, it's very valuable service. And as you mentioned before, now we offer a lot of other things. And the problem was that we kind of lost our way with it and started to water down our positioning, which hurt us in, in many different ways. And now we just rebranded and relaunched our website. Nice, clean, crisp design from our in-house team. Guys and girls are awesome. But yeah, if, if you want to kind of walk us through the process of like the repositioning and kind of like what we cut back or added back in. Yeah. The thing about shortlist is that it's a couple of years old. It's probably like three-ish or so years old. And it was originally always a link building agency. I had started it actually because I had a software business. I wanted to generate links for myself. So I said, well, why don't I just build a service around what I want and I'll sell it to other people. And essentially I'll build the processes and develop the relationships that I'll be able to get link building myself for free for my software. That's kind of where it came from. And then as we started to kind of generate clients who are interested in link building, we thought, well, we can only sort of take this so far. Clients are going to want other services such as design and dev and growth marketing services and, and all those types of things. So why don't we start offering those as well? Additionally, I always thought it would be great to have like a a full service marketing agency to kind of have all the pieces together. And so that became what was what Shortlist has been most recently for the last two or so years, which was effectively like a marketing agency, for lack of a better word. It just kind of, we offered a lot of different inbound marketing services, a little bit of paid advertising, a variety of different things. And that all seemed all well and good. And the business was growing and we were 
offering those other services, making money. But in the process of building all those other services, I felt like we started to really lose the identity of the business. We would call ourselves an unagency, which was our attempt to sort of say, we're not a marketing agency, but there wasn't anything actually about the business that wasn't a marketing agency. It was a marketing agency that we weren't doing anything particularly different other than saying that we were different. And it kind of all came to a head recently when we said, well, let's, let's redo the website because we want to, we've been running this business for a couple of years and it doesn't really reflect customers and testimonials and case studies and reviews and, and all these different things that you want to be able to show on, on a website to build trust and authority. And so we started to go through the website process, the redesign, and these questions of kind of like, who are we? How do we want to show the other services? What's the best way to go about it? Started to really kind of you know bubble up, and it felt like we would benefit from sort of actually taking away things instead of adding them. And this is sort of where where we are now, where we now have Shortlist.io. It's a link building service. That's the way we advertise it on the website. We still offer the other services as we always have, but we don't really present them. They're always done kind of like customers ask about them or through conversations and things like that. And I don't want to skip too far ahead into results and things like that, but I will say it's been interesting that a lot of the services that we felt like we had to put on the website, people never really, we never generated leads or interest specifically for those services from the website. It was always through referrals and introductions and things like that. So their presence on the website was a little arbitrary, but it was definitely hurting the position. So anyway, it's kind of a long-ish story about where we came and where we are, but gives you a little bit of full context on why we did that. Thank you. We also had like one other misstep in terms of positioning. We thought like in terms of kind of like shifting our focus on another audience. I think like also with positioning, kind of like figuring out like who's your target audience and based on this kind of like figuring out like what's the real pain point that these people or companies or businesses have and then kind of like crafting your positioning after this and especially showed it in, in our outbound efforts. Like once we kind of figured out that we, we focus on agencies as a customer a lot because they're like multipliers for us. So an agency that does marketing is a marketing agency does stuff for the customers. It's a very easy thing to add on our services from shortlist and that they then offer it white label to their customers. It's like a nice way to arbitrage. We do provide great value to the customers and also make money in, in the process. And so kind of like positioning us Having a clear position helped tremendously in, in the, especially in the outbound efforts. Yeah, th that's a really good point because everything I was saying about positioning before was really about the service. You know, I was talking about the services and stuff like that. But the other aspect of positioning is, is who you provide it for. And for, again, the entirety of Shortlist, we almost had no ideal customer profile. It was whoever has the budget to spend on marketing. There were like so many different niches and companies and business models that we were servicing. And so about eight or so months ago, give or take, we said, well, let's, let's choose one and go with it. Let's be uh, the marketing agency for health and wellness e-commerce companies. And it seemed you know, like a good idea. We had worked with a couple of companies like that. We liked them. We liked their values, what they stand for. There's obviously plenty of them. And so we kind of went with that on the website. But then as we started to do outbound specifically towards those companies to actually say, hey, this is who we are. We're here for you. Do you want to you know, engage in a relationship? We found that a lot of them didn't really have the funds 
to work with a marketing agency. A lot of solopreneurs, passion project type scenarios kind of came up and said, maybe this isn't really like the best niche for us, but it took us three to four months or so to come to that conclusion. And through that whole period, our outbound really stagnated just because we weren't really targeting the right individuals. Later on, we started to take a look at the customers because we're at this point, we're two plus years into business. We have several hundreds of customers that we kind of analyze and look at. And we find that health and wellness e-commerce sites were not the ones that were the stickiest and with the highest lifetime value and, and that type of thing. We're actually seeing a lot from number one was agencies, like other agencies who were white labeling our service kind of ironically, but that became like a customer avatar that stood out above the rest. And then the other ones were, well, I can tell you, it wasn't e-commerce businesses, it was more like services. And a lot of them were niches that were maybe not super sexy, but they were the ones that, that struggled to get backlinks because maybe in their industry, there's not a lot of interlinking and, and content writing and things like that. So it could be a guy who you know does AC conditioner, conditioner repair or something like that, something that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, now with having, I think if you can share, share some numbers, I think we more than 10x the uh, amount of appointments that we're setting now that we have the same, uh, the new website up comparing to what it was before, right? It's, it's pretty intense. It, it was a lot. It was a big difference. I, I can kind of pull up the numbers. I mean, we had times over the last eight or so months, like I said, when we, when we switched that positioning, where we literally generated only like one outbound call in February. That's really quite recent. Like we're in early May right now. So February, I mean, we had only generated one outbound call. We started to redo the website. We started to, like I said, reduce the scope of services that we offer. Obviously, like we improved the website to talk about the case studies and the services that are relevant to our positioning. We removed the, the health and wellness e-commerce stuff. In March was 18. It was 18 outbound calls. April was 17. So it, it was a huge difference for you know the way people responded to our outbound and also a huge difference in just sort of the way people connected with the service. April was by and large, our, high, our highest month for revenue for total invoice. And it was a significant jump over March and February. So there's obviously, there's a lot of factors at play. I'm always a little cautious to assume causation, but I definitely think that the positioning, the website, everything kind of working together is a large part of, of, of that increase. Yeah, that's awesome. I think positioning is like one of the toughest things to do for an entrepreneur because you always think like, oh, I'm leaving out all this opportunity and I cannot, I'm castrating myself and I'm cutting off my legs, but it's actually quite the opposite. You, kind of, you want to, there's so much noise in the market and you have to kind of stand out and kind of like be the right solution. If you have heart problems, you want to go to a heart specialist and you don't want like, oh, I'm a doctor. I can do this. No problem. Yeah. I always really struggled with, I have struggled with it, do struggle with it. I, yeah, I always feel I guess the FOMO, the fear of missing out that if we don't show all the other services that people are going to be like, oh, I guess they don't offer what we want. And it took, I think, a couple of things to really kind of like hit me over the head. One of them was someone actually showed me a link building service the other day that I had never heard of. There are many, I don't know them all, but you would think like the big players and stuff that you would know them. But somebody showed me one the other day that was doing, that was, well, I can say they're basically like 
10 times the size of shortlist. And I had never even heard of them. It just kind of goes to show like, okay, well, if there are people that are in your market, you don't even know, and they're 10 times as big as you, there's plenty of room to go. That was one, one big realization. But then also just getting on the calls with the customers and sort of like just hearing about what really drew them to, to shortlist. I'm saying, hey, this is, this is my pain. This is what I'm really looking for. I'm an agency. I really struggle with link building providers, that the quality, the consistency. I feel this is what you guys do best. I read a case study on your blog and I really kind of love the way you guys presented it. Instead sort of just feeling that and thinking, okay, this is a small marketing agency in England in a town that I'm not you know, familiar with. Again, there must be many, many people like this. So it just kind of goes to show that, yeah, as you niche down, there's more space in depth than there is width. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And yeah, but it's still kind of, it messes with your head if you kind of like, a lot of formal creeps in, but it's just the, the right way to go. And as we saw, all the other services that we offer, they're not on the website anymore. We still sell them. Like, no, if, even more than, than before, because kind of like you want to come in, kind of pierce through all the noise that is, is in the market. And then you kind of, once you have this relationship built with a customer, you can kind of like sell them anything, right? Because it's about this initial trust, trust that you, you build. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, in the agency space, especially, I mean, I think most businesses kind of built on like trusting relationships, but in the agency and the services industry, I think even more so. And a lot of people, yes, they, they maybe they want to work with a specialist, but they also that even maybe above that is I want to work with people I've worked with before and who I know do good work. That That's sort of your top priority. And it's sort of you get first crack at these other things, these other services. And then if you say, no, we really don't do that, then they'll say, okay, well, I guess we'll go look elsewhere. And then they'll go and they'll try to find a specialist. And the other thing is too, I think just when we think about like different services is my, my mistake was sort of, okay, well, we do link building. So we've sort of checked the box on SEO. Let's offer website design and dev. Let's offer some growth marketing to kind of start completing the package. But there honestly are so many other services that are in the SEO space where you don't really need to wreck your positioning, but you can still offer other services. So for us, that might be keyword research, that might be on-site SEO, cleanup and auditing, that might be other types of link building, right? I've seen sites do, they, well, we do Quora, they may, maybe do directories, they do just other types of link building services. And so you are you can offer other services, but you don't need to like go all the way over here. You just sort of, you branch out but you're, you keep under that umbrella. And so again, I think that was a mistake that we made, but luckily we made some changes and, and we've seen the results for it. Yeah, it's cra crazy how well it works. Kind of hinting towards, we talk, we have another How We Solve episode with Chala from Repositioner. She's, her thing's like hyper-niching. I think she calls it hyper-niching. Kind of like really, really, really deep. Figuring out like, what's your target audience? What's the real pain point? And they're kind of like going like, yes, super deep into this end. We have a show with her, another live stream on Tuesday the 11th at 8.30 a.m. PST, 1.30 p.m. UK time. So if you want to come and check this out, it's going to be really good. Yeah, I think it will be a great follow-up because I'm not a position expert, obviously. I'm mostly just like a guy who's like made a mistake and then sort of fixed it and is telling that story which is most often the role I play on podcasts. <laughs> like uh, It's like talking about this is where I screwed up and this is kind of how we fixed it and this is why it got better. But then actually bringing on someone like Chala and, and going into depth and talking about the the, the pros to cons and, and how you should approach it and not make the same mistake that I've made. 
Yeah, actually, with the with Chala, I have a challenge to positioning of how we solve and the how we solve brands to kind of go through it and destroy us and see kind of what what comes up with this. So, going to be awesome. I want to ask you two other questions. Okay, what can you expect when you start SEO with a new website after three months? If you kind of like, if you could put like some figures, like how much you have to spend and what what kind of results can you expect? Because I guess it's a question that comes up very often. It does, yeah. Because I think part of like we said, for positioning is really who the service is for. And part of that comes down to like expectations and results. And obviously we encounter a lot of businesses of different sizes that are interested in link building. And often they're new businesses because they say, hey, I'm a new business. I need some backlinks. I know I need these. These are important. And so how should we kind of go about this? And first of all, the, the first answer that I want to give is just sort of generally what I recommend, which is that I do think that setting aside a budget for SEO for link building is important because we know that generating inbound traffic is kind of that holy grail for marketing and leads. And you do want to, you don't want to neglect that. But I also sort of too often see people kind of take an approach of, okay, well, I'm just going to throw like a big lump sum of money at something to kind of like either catch up or just sort of like fix it. And I don't, and, and then they kind of like run out of budget and it's sort of like, uh, what now? And so I, I really kind of think that the best approach is to sort of set aside whatever it is you feel comfortable with, and but whatever it is that you're willing to do it for like at least a year, honestly, it, really with the intention that this is going to be a long-term aspect of the business. So whatever is the amount that you think you could kind of spend in a year divided by 12, that's your monthly budget because yeah, it's going to, you know. It's not something you want to like start and stop. You kind of want to like keep going. With a new website, to actually answer the question here, in, in, in our experience, basically, we recommend that you do what we'll call like a three-month pilot and you'll set aside a budget. And again, it, it varies on the business, but, but let's say something like two grand or something a month is, is a healthy amount to, to give something a good shot. With that budget, you might try something like 10 keywords that you're trying to sort of rank for. And you'll be building links to maybe your homepage or some landing pages or blog posts. That's kind of up to you to decide. And then after three months, what will happen, or at least what I've seen happen, is that some of those 10, you will start to rank for, and the others you won't. And then you'll also rank for some other keywords that you weren't really planning on. And maybe in total, you could be ranking for 20, 30, or 40, or whatever, 50 plus keywords. It's going to be sort of a variety. And then that becomes the pool of kind of targets that you kind of want to look for and double down on. Because if you didn't, basically what I'm kind of trying to say is that you kind of go in with a hypothesis of these are the 10 words, give or take, that I want to go for. But Google ultimately is the one that decides which ones you're kind of allowed to rank for. And so you want to kind of go where you have momentum. And so after that three months, you can kind of see, okay, these are the these are the keywords I have momentum in. I'm going to kind of double down on those. The ones that I didn't get, obviously that depends on you, but I would sort of recommend kind of putting those off, off to the side. Maybe they'll come later, maybe they won't, but sort of Google is kind of sending you a signal that for whatever reason, those keywords are too competitive or you're not really equipped to, to get on it. It's not common in, in my experience to go from completely brand new to page one in three months. Most of the time, those keywords that you're getting are going to be, they're going to be sprinkled in your, your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or something like that, which unfortunately doesn't really provide you with a heck of a lot of traffic at, at that point. But 
anyone who ever got to page one pretty much had to go through that trajectory. It's kind of like you always start from being like outside of 100 and then all of a sudden like you're 87 and you're on the board and you kind of you do this little dance and you kind of move your way up. So it's a good sign. It's, it's where you are supposed to be. And we have a case study kind of coming out on the website in a couple of weeks where we are going to talk about a brand new website and sort of what we saw from working with them for like three to six months. I mean, we're, we're still we're still working with them, but it's been, I think, three or so months and just kind of like giving some more quantitative analysis, so to speak, on when they they literally ranked for no keywords at the start. They had a budget of around two grand or so, like I said, and then this is kind of what happened. But it's basically kind of, some, I summarized it here. Very cool. And it's going to be on the blog on shortlist.io, I guess, right? Yep. Yep. So hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, something like three to four weeks, we'll have a brand new case study that I think will be some really interesting content. You can also up, sign up for the newsletter on shortlist.io for more, if you're into SEO, if you want to learn. If, you, if you're an agency, I think we're going to pump out a bunch of content for agencies as well. Or you can sign up for the newsletter on how we solve. We're going to publish this one there as well. Cool. Another question, another that kind of comes up. How long does it take me to rank number one for my keyword? Like, I guess it's like all something that people ask all the time. Yeah, I'm glad you asked, we asked them in that order too, because obviously I just talked about like a brand new website, right? And so if you're kind of saying, well... I've already provided a lot of context on, on that scenario. The other scenario is sort of like, hey, I, I have a website. I've, I have keywords. I'm ranking for things already, but I'm not saying on number one or page one for those. And I mean, the obvious answer is it depends. It really does. But I, there is still some guidelines that I think are useful to kind of set expectations. Obviously, the budget, the spending is important. Where you're already ranking is important and the strength of your website and the difficulty of the keywords. Those are just a few factors that, that really kind of play into it. But I think in my experience, if you are, say, already on page two and three and you have like a good website and you're, you're willing to kind of put in a budget that's between, say, one and three grand or so a month, then I think you can kind of be on page one in a couple months, just a basic kind of expectation. But at the same time, it can also take three, six, nine nine or so months in many cases. So because we know that question gets asked a lot, we did write an article about this that is on the blog already. It's a great case study. And we basically said, well, unfortunately, we're not allowed to sort of say what the website is, right? Because we have to sort of protect anonymity of the customers. But we talk about the website. What is the domain authority of that website? Like how strong is it? What type of website is it? Is it like a SaaS? Is it e-commerce? And sort of where was it ranking at the time we started doing link building for the keywords, what their budget was, and then essentially where they ranked after like six or so months. And so there's a lot of good, there's about six or so different client profiles that we walk through, kind of show like, okay, this was an e-commerce brand, pretty decent authority, budget of three grand a month. They, they approached like 30 or so keywords. Here's what happened. I think that's also a really interesting case study that helps kind of set expectations. If you're not a brand new website, but you have already some presence about what you might expect, I would check that one out too. Yeah, just posted it in the, in the chat. Yeah. I guess it also heavily depends like how competitive the niche is, right? If, it's, if you want to rank number one for whatever, like web hosting or... Exactly. There are some things that 
I mean, I won't say you can never rank number one for, but it's just sort of like the the uphill battle is going to be really significant. So I do think one of the things I think that sets us apart is we're not, we don't try to be order takers. Obviously, people can kind of come to shortlist, they can sort of place an order. But if we feel like it's going to be unrealistic in terms of what you're targeting, what your budget is, we'll let a lot of people also defer to us for keyword recommendations, what we think is going to be good, how many links we recommend for each. So in that sense, we aren't just kind of like this hollow service provider, but it is really intended to kind of be a partnership and sort of to try to get you the end result. People always say like getting backlinks is like one of the most crucial things, which it also is, but something that often people neglect, which is such a low-hanging fruit, is internal linking kind of with your, yeah, on your blog post that you kind of link to other blog posts with the right keywords, like it makes a massive impact. And it's also something that the shortlist team can help you with. They're doing it for, for all, of, all of my brands. And I never could get people to do it properly or uh, it was <laughs> in, internally. And so it's like, it's good to have an expert that's kind of focusing. Yeah. I mean, those types of cleanup things can be like kind of a pain, but the onsite SEO, I mean, when we talk about link building, we call that offsite, but the onsite SEO, which is your internal linking and the hierarchy and the metadata and all those different types of things is equally, if not more important. And I honestly recommend, you know, that anybody who engages in offsite link building, that they've done the onsite first, that's always the lowest hanging fruit. And you're kind of not getting the best use out of your marketing dollars. If you go kind of immediately to offsite stuff, with a website that isn't in tip-top shape. Do you have any tools that you can recommend where people can f- figure this out? Yeah. Are this to get to number one or what, what are your favorite tools? The, the two that we use extensively for us is SEM Russian Ahrefs. And to be honest, you could probably go with one or the other. It's, it's not likely that you need both unless you're maybe doing like heavy duty SEO, but they both kind of, they're very powerful for number one. They both have kind of internal auditors so you can kind of run a website and it will it will tell you the on-site work that should be done. It will give you a prioritization. Is it what we'll call like an error, a warning, or a notice? And just give you an overall score and a list of to-dos. And I think that's super useful. It can be sometimes a little technical and sometimes it does help to have somebody who is experienced in the space to help interpret the results because it is it is a tool and it does require like a human to sort of to run it. But I think from an on-site perspective, though, that, that works really nice. We use that all the time. Ahrefs has also sort of a, I hate to say a backlink estimator, but they will basically take, if you search for a keyword, they will give you their opinion on how difficult it is. And they will also tell you how many backlinks they think it will take to get to page one based on essentially the competition that is ranking in page one and how many backlinks they have. But I mean, that really is very much kind of like a ballpark figure because as we've seen, and as I talked about with the case study, it really depends on where you're coming from and sort of, are you already a really strong website or are you brand new? There's, there's no one size fits all answer to that question, but at least to set, again, some sort of expectations because there's a big difference between say eight and 80 backlinks. It's, it's a nice tool for that. Cool, yeah. In case you don't want the headache, you can always just reach out to Dave at shortlist.io or go on the website and get a free consultation and we can kind of give you an estimation on how hard it will be, what what we think it will cost and how long it will take to rank where you want to rank. Yeah, happy to take calls all the time. Cool. All right, wrapping up, anything else you want to share? No, I, I, I hope that would that was useful for everybody. Talk a little bit, a little bit about branding repositioning, but then also some some SEO fundamentals, and then definitely tune in 
for the next episode for continuing this conversation. Awesome. Dave, thanks for being on. Thank you, David. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.